Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaverdam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at PCRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. And we realize that whenever Reformation has happened in the history of the church, things always get messy. And as we're watching it happen in the CRC right now, things are getting messy. So keep fighting the good fight. Don't be discouraged. So what we're doing is taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the CRC to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. Also, take the opportunity to check out our website at themessyreformation.com. We've got our podcast there, we've got some articles there, and hoping to regularly put up content there, just extending the conversations we're having on the podcast. So check it out and feel free to comment on articles and let's have a conversation there as well. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part two of Willie and I's conversation about current issues in the CRC. King, because we've had ministers on our program who said, you either believe in Christ or you don't. If you believe in Christ, you're going to heaven. And if you don't, no matter what you've done in your life, you ain't. I wonder what minister would ever say that on the Larry King (laughs) program. It wasn't Deepak, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Listen to the response of one of the biggest, grandest Christian so-called leaders in America. Yeah, I don't know. I still think he'd make a great weatherman someday, but... (laughs) His wife's really a better preacher, but anyway. So here it goes. (laughs) Can we get some air conditioning in here? (laughs) To Larry King, yeah, I, I don't know. There's probably a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but I think that if you know Christ, if you're a believer in God, that you're going to have some good works. I think it's a cop-out to say, I'm a Christian, but I don't ever do anything. That doesn't even answer the question. King, what if you're Jewish, as he is? What if you're a Muslim? and you don't accept Christ at all, question mark, the answer, you know, (laughs) I'm very careful about saying who would and who wouldn't go to heaven. I don't know. King, 
if you believe you have to believe in Christ, they're wrong, aren't they? Referring to the Jews, referring to the Muslims. The answer. I'm just reading this, okay? Well, I don't know. I don't know if I believe they're wrong. I spent a lot of time in India with my father. I don't know about all their religion, but I know they love God. No, they don't. They hate God. I don't know. I've seen their sincerity so on worldwide television, so I don't know. Give us some men who know the truth. And who will declare the truth. And who will stand with Athanasius and Polycarp and Calvin and Luther and Whitfield and Edwards. And who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God and salvation. We, we don't need a bunch of pastors to get up on a Sunday morning and say, we're all filled with doubt. We don't know what's going on. We don't know the truth. We need pastors to get up on Sunday morning and say, I'm not smart enough to know the truth, but thank God he has given us a book full of truth. And here's what I can tell you about the truth of the world. Here's what I can tell you about the truth of yourself. And here's what I can tell you about the truth of our God. And we need to preach it that way every Sunday with certainty and confidence. Amen. And it just ties into uh, something I've been thinking about recently too. You know, you and I have, have been talking about um, last week. I um, talked about my story a little bit and I talked about this um, real incredible peace that the Lord has brought me um, throughout all of this. Even um, like I had said, even when I um, had to make the, you know, had to give them approval to, to intubate me and put me in a coma. Um, I knew that at that point I had a, a 50, you know, st- statistically I had a 50, 50 uh, chance of surviving that. And yet the Lord gave me peace. I, I wasn't fearful. I wasn't scared. Um, and I can only give God credit for that, right? And and I've kind of laughed as I've talked to people and said, you know, my wife is uh, is a saint, and uh, my wife, uh, I just I was in tears as I came out of my coma and read through all of my wife's posts while I was out of it, and uh, just, I was in tears, just thankful that the Lord has given me such a godly wife that throughout all of this I could see the strength that she had, the I could see the faith that she had, I could see the way that she leaned on God throughout all of that. And I, and I kept thinking, man, if that would have been me and if my wife would have been in a coma for two weeks, I think I would have just been a puddle. I don't even know if I'd be able to function. And now I'm looking at my wife and she's just strong and faithful and, and listening to God in the midst of this, but um, which is true. And it's a testimony to her and her faith, but also um, it struck me that um, it wasn't her either. That was the grace of God in her life, giving her strength. And and we, we, tend to, we tend to look back, and I have this tendency as well, to look back on all of these moments of history where we see these great martyrs and great defenders of the faith, and we go, man, I could, I could never do that. 
And, uh, and the truth is, yeah, you can't do it. <laughs> you're not strong enough to endure it. You're not smart enough to lead a reformation. You know, you're not bold enough to stand before Pontius Pilate or bold enough to stand before the Pope and tell him to get lost. But you can um, by the grace of God. And uh, I think, you know, I look at my, my wife and her strength through all of this, and she was able to do that solely by the grace of God. And you look at the martyrs who sang hymns to God as they were being burned alive, and they were only able to do that by the grace of God. And, and you think of Martin Luther standing before the council at Verms, and you think he could only do that because of the grace of, of God. And, and uh, we look forward to the reformation of the CRC, and it's the same thing. It's only going to happen through the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I had that exact image of Luther in my head as you were spitting it out. I'd been thinking about that. And um, yeah, I, I love that. I love it when I hear that uh, the Lord is with you and that he is beside you and he goes before you as well. Uh, and that these battles that we fight, no matter how uphill it may seem, no matter how many mountains we may climb, um, we don't climb them in our own strength. We, we climb them by the strength of God who is empowering you by his Holy Spirit to overcome these things. Uh, so I think if, if we see it like that, it, it's like you're saying, if you're relying on your own strength to do this, that's not going to happen. Um, you can't make it through this storm. You couldn't save yourself. That's why, uh, that, that's why the Lord had to sovereignly intervene in your life and change your heart and change your disposition so that you would love him. Uh, so I think when we see things from, I, I would say, a God-centered perspective and God being the most active agent at work here. And us joining him along with how he's at work, not just in our lives, but also in the world, then I think, uh, I think we're on more solid ground by looking at it that way. Well, and this is why uh, Brian McLaren's idea of promoting doubt and not understand, you know, Brian McLaren tries to talk about faith and certainty being different things, right? Which is so unbiblical. Um, Mm -hmm. But but think about this. How, how do we walk and live? I've talked about this before, but I'm going to repeat it again. How do we walk and live in the strength that God supplies? We do it by faith. And so how do we, how do we try to lead reformation in our churches? And how do we try to lead reformation in, in the CRC um, in the strength that God supplies? Well, we do it by faith. And, uh, and we don't do it by doubt. I mean, can you imagine going through, going through life and going, I don't have the strength to take the next step. And then you take the next step doubting whether God will give you strength to take that step. Mm-hmm. How terrible of a life is that? How hopeful is that? Rather, you, you embrace Hebrews 11.1 1, that says faith is assurance of things hoped for, conviction of things not seen. Now you enter into these seasons of life where you don't think you have the strength or you know you don't have the strength to keep moving on, but you take the next step anyways by faith, not doubting whether or not God's going to give you the strength to take that step, but having assurance that God will give you the strength to take that next step, having conviction that even though you can't see the strength to take the next step, God's going to give you the strength to take the next step. And that, I mean, if you live your life doubting whether God is going to give you the strength to keep moving on, that's that's a terrible life 
That's why, I mean, Brian McLaren tries to act like he's being humble, but he's destroying the gospel and he's mm-hmm. destroying Christians and, and robbing them of this idea that in our weakness, God has made strong. Our God's power is made perfect in our weakness. That's what I meant to say. God's power is made perfect in our weakness because we move forward by faith and faith has assurance and conviction and confidence, not in ourselves, but in our, in our God. And if we're constantly doubting our God, um, we're going to live a pretty miserable, joyless, unfulfilled life. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the Israelites, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's one of those ridiculous things. Uh, all these people wanting to promote doubt as being humble. Then you read, read the Israelites called a faithless generation and constantly doubting God and wanting to go back to Egypt because they had, you know, they had garlic and onions there. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. And, uh, and yeah, it, it did not work out well for them either. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do think we need to, to see this as a call just to continue to be faithful and uh, not just faithfully uh, living your lives day to day, but also to pastors faithfully continue to serve in the role that, uh, that God has entrusted you in and uh, be faithful over the flock that he's entrusted you with. So um, it's also you know, being faithful to your calling. I think we were, we were reminiscing about that. So I think that's a good word for this too. Amen. Yeah. And, uh, and as we know, right, this has not been an easy season of life to be faithful to our, um, to be faithful to our calling, um, as pastors, uh, you know, I, as from the beginning of COVID, um, for the last year and a half, um, I've done nothing but watch, um, pastor after pastor after pastor, um, not just leave churches. There's a lot of shuffling going on. Pastors leaving churches, going to different calls. But more than that, I've been watching a lot of pastors leaving the ministry completely um, and entering into other other callings. And um, it's because it's such a it's a difficult season. I I do try to tell people our our this season of life isn't more difficult for pastors than it is for other people, but it's still difficult for pastors, obviously, because I'm watching pastors burn out, leave their callings. And, uh, and so it's tough. And and I've spent a lot of time thinking about that. I just wrote something this morning that we'll be posting on our website. Um, actually, it probably will be posted by the time this podcast drops, but I'm um, just encouraging pastors to remember their calling because I think, um, I think, that is what gives us the strength to endure and, and to keep going on, even during difficult seasons of ministry. And uh, one of my one of my favorite stories, I've probably told it on this podcast a number of times, but um, after going through a very difficult season of ministry, it had been five, six years long and uh, just things kept boiling and brewing and getting worse and worse. And I came home from a council meeting where People had called me names and misrepresented me and undermined me and played political maneuvering and power. It was just miserable. And I came home, I looked at my wife and I said, I quit. I'm done with this stupid church. I'm done with these stupid people. I'm done. And uh, as I've said, I'm thankful that the Lord gave me a wife who loves him more than she loves me. And she looked me in the eye and said, you do not have the authority to make that decision. 
God has called you to ministry and he's called you to these stupid people in this stupid church. And so you're going to keep doing stupid ministry along with them. That's not exactly how she worded it, but either way. And, and it was a good reminder to me that I am not my own, but I belong body and soul and life. And in Jesus, it doesn't matter if they're treating me terrible. Why would I expect them to treat me well? Pastors and prophets have never been treated well. Leaders of the church have never been treated well throughout the history of the church. They've all been mocked and beaten and lied about. And so why do we think we're going to have it all rosy, cozy in our, in our ministries now? And so, uh, yeah, ministry sucks sometimes. It's tough, but the Lord has called you to it, so you keep doing it. And you do it how? Again, you do it by faith, not doubt. I didn't stay in that church doubting whether God was going to use me for ministry. I did it by faith. I stayed there and ministered, trusting my God that he had me there for a reason. I couldn't see it. I don't know all of the impact I had there in those days, but I trust my God. I have conviction and assurance that God was using me um, until he released me from that calling and put me in a new place. And I think that's big for pastors right now during COVID as, you know, I think a lot of pastors are realizing how out of control we are with our ministries, right? People have been working hard, building big churches and building programs and building discipleship material. And then COVID comes and your church shrinks and your budget shrinks and all of your programs that you're so proud of have been canceled. And all of the things that you maybe put your hope and your trust in have been removed. And you wonder, what, what, what do I do now? And, uh, well, you keep doing them. You do the ministry that God has called you to do, and you have faith that God is going to use you and that God has promised that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. He'll build his church in the middle of COVID and he'll build your church with a small budget or a, or a budget that's completely gone. And he'll build your church with half the numbers there than, uh, than were before. Um, and just even as I say, I was starting to preach, you can tell I haven't preached for a long time, huh? Um, you know, I, I wonder if we should start thinking of this season of COVID. Um, I've mentioned this before, see it as a season of pruning. Um, but right as I said that last line, I was thinking maybe we should be thinking of Gideon and his army, right? We're, we're losing people from our churches, but maybe God's pruning us and preparing us um, for something bigger coming up here. So the gospel really is going out in a powerful and magnificent and very broad way. So I think that's just another way that Christ is continuing to build his church and to draw his elect unto himself. I don't know. I, I've seen this as a good opportunity for growth and not just outward growth numerically, but, but upward growth, thinking about the kingdom and the, uh, the expansion of God and just his promise that the earth will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Um, and I, I really do think this has been a very um, hard time for the church. But it, when, when is it not a hard time for the church? It was a hard time for the church in the book of Acts. But what happened every time the church was persecuted? Uh, the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. Um, so I really think we ought, to, we ought to take that principle and say we have our marching orders, um, which is to preach the word boldly. Um, go into all the world, preach the good news, and make disciples of all nations, and trust that God is going to do the work uh, that he has equipped you to do. Um, so I, I just think we ought to continue to stay faithful in these things. So I don't know. I find hope 
And I found myself just thanking God more and more lately, um, not necessarily for COVID, mm-hmm. um, but for the things and the good that it has brought about. Uh, thank you, Father, for, for giving us a means uh, to be used by you and to further your kingdom on this earth. And I'm in a similar situation. And I think you and I have been through some difficult situations over the years that put us in a mindset to be more hopeful in some of these uh, difficult times. As you were talking, I was remembering uh, back in our early days of youth ministry. When I I started in youth ministry, I had about like a $5,000 budget a year. Um, But literally after the first year, um, our church came into some financial struggles and uh, our budget went from $5,000 to $0 a year. And I remember the conversation I had with one of our teenagers after that congregational meeting, he had came up to me really angry, really disappointed. And uh, he was angry at me and he looked at me and said, why didn't you fight for us? Why did, why did you allow them to take away all of our money? Don't you care? And I remember talking to him and saying, um, we don't need money to do ministry. Um, the gospel doesn't cost anything. It only requires time and effort. The, the word of God doesn't cost us anything to teach and preach and to learn. Fellowship doesn't cost us anything. And uh, as you and I have looked back over the years on on how we learned how to do ministry, we learned how to do ministry with a $0 budget. And uh, I have seen that to be just one of the massive blessings, truly, for us to, to figure out how to do ministry without any money. What it does is it forces you to remove all the bells and whistles, to remove all of the games and the programs and all of these things and just to focus on what's central, which is the gospel, teaching God's word. And yeah, we didn't get to buy our own curriculum, but what did we do? We got creative. We, we came up with our own curriculum. We came up with our own teaching sessions. We created it all from scratch. We're able to tailor it to our youth ministry. And, and we look back on that now as being a massive blessing to us. It's the reason our youth ministry grew teenage disciples that are now young adult to disciples is because we cut out all the crap and we focused on the central thing of preaching and teaching the word of God and uh, being in fellowship with one another, discipling, and then bringing the gospel out into the community in which we served. And so I think that's a, a just a good reminder for all of us in this season of COVID as, as everything's getting kind of stripped away and in many of our churches, rather than continually mourning the losses, mourning the programs that aren't, um, start thinking, what do we have and how can we use what we have to continue to bring the gospel forward? Because the gospel is free, not only free grace, but it is free for us to go out in the community and share the gospel. It's free for us to teach people God's word and disciple them. It's, it's free for us to walk along with people during difficulties and support them and, and carry them. And so that's my encouragement for everyone struggling right now and in this season and, and debating um, how to do ministry, how to keep going on. Um, go back to the basics. 
Um, and the basics of ministry are the word of God and prayer. It was the first thing we talked about in this podcast is that um, our philosophy of ministry um, based around Acts 2 or after, after Pentecost, after 3,000 people came to know the Lord, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And it says to the breaking of bread and prayers. And not, I'm gonna di- not going to dive into all of the exegesis there, but, but I think the breaking of bread and prayers are just examples of what that fellowship looked like. And so the two core things, the two core aspects of ministry are the word of God and fellowship. And neither of those costs any money. You can preach and teach and share the word of God for free. All it takes is time and energy. You can be in fellowship with one another and it doesn't need to, you don't have to buy coffee. You don't have to buy food. You can be together. You can walk with people through trials. And so start thinking of ways that you as a church, you as a pastor can get back to the basics of the word of God and and fellowship. And uh, let's start discipling our people in the midst of this uh, difficult time, people need it more than ever. And that'd be my encouragement for our denomination as well. If we could start cutting all of the fluff, which is going to happen as, as ministry shares start dropping. And as people start showing their frustration with the direction of our denomination, um, things are going to start getting cut. And uh, the fat is going to be trimmed from our denomination. And my encouragement would be, we don't cut the essentials, but we cut all the fluff and we get back to the core of our calling as a church, which is the word of God and fellowship. That we would keep those aspects of our denomination that are helping equip the saints for works of ministry. And you equip the saints for works of ministry through the word of God, right? That's uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. All of scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the man of God is complete and equipped for every good work. That's how we equip our people with the word of God. And so may we become a denomination who gets back to a commitment and devotion to the word of God, to equipping our people with the word of God through our publications like the banner through the communications that we send out into the world, through all of our organizations, may they be about using the word of God to equip the saints for works of ministry and helping us to, to gather together as God's people and bring glory and honor to him and to see his kingdom um, truly furthered in this world through the gospel. Not through all of our crazy political activism, but, but through the spreading of the gospel that changes hearts and then changes actions, and then changes families, and then changes communities, and then changes the world. That's our calling as a church right now, and that's what we need to get back to as a denomination. Gospel-centered transformation. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week to find out who we're going to be talking to in the CRC. But until then... Don't forget this is Christ's church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation. Reformation.